Good morning. It's good to see you in First Word today. We're going to start a new series today uh, entitled Guardrails. I'm excited about this. It's going to be a three-week series, um, and I think it's going to, I think we're going to come through this, and it's going to, we're going to walk out of here with some strength and some tools to deal with life. But before I dive into this, this morning, how many of you have enjoyed the last several weeks of Brother Brett's teaching? Could we just, I know we've, we've let him know, but Brother Brett, thank you. That's been a phenomenal word that he's delivered. And uh, I'm not going to be that deep this morning. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not, I'm not a professor. But with that being said, I do feel that I do have something to say this morning. Uh, we are starting, as I said, this series called Guardrails. And when you look up what a guardrail is, it's a system that's designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limits or off-limited areas. It is put there so that you can drive and navigate life without crashing. I'm just going to ask you, and I, just for a little bit of interaction, because you folks are making me nervous this morning. Some of you look like you hadn't had your coffee yet. Where do you find guardrails? Somebody. Somebody. I'm glad you're smiling. Thank you for, for giggling there on that one. I was a little nervous. Where would you find a guardrail? Anybody? On a bridge. Good. Where else? Do what? Dangerous areas. That kind of covers, uh, what would you say, sis? Interstate. Okay. Bridges, medians, and curves. When you're talking about a bridge, it's uh, when we're in a place where there's a little bit of margin for error. You don't have a whole lot that you can deviate to the left or the right. When you cross that bridge, that median or that guardrail is there to keep you from spilling over the side. Somebody said interstates, the medians. Those, are, those guardrails are placed there because that is when we are often close to people who are going in an opposite direction than we are. And we need the guardrail there to keep us from losing our focus and our track and winding up facing a vehicle or somebody, something coming in the opposite direction. And then lastly, curves. It's where we encounter unexpected changes or conditions. Those are the those are the three areas that you're going to find guardrails. Now notice this, guardrails are not located in the most dangerous places. That's the place just beyond where the guardrail has been placed. That's the area you don't want to be. But the guardrail is set in a certain place of safety. But it lets you know this is where you need to stay within this side of the boundary because if you deviate and you go beyond this point, it's probably not going to be good. If you go beyond this part right here, you're going to enter into a place of danger. So when we're thinking about guardrails and guardrails that we need to have in our lives, they are warnings and places that are, are things that are put in a safe place that keep us in line so that we don't deviate and wind up in the place that nobody wants to be. 
you don't put the guardrail at the bottom of the ditch. You place the guardrail before the ditch on the side of the road. And if we can ever grasp that there are guardrails in our lives, there are certain things, warnings that I need in my own life that prevent me from getting to the place where I fall, where I wreck, where I crash. The greatest thing that you can do in your life to battle temptation and to stand up to the enemy is to have safeguards in place before the sin ever gets there. So that when, I'm, when I see myself or I feel myself drifting this way, I, 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 I bring myself back in alignment and align myself back up. When you have personal guardrails, it's a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. In other words, when I have certain guardrails in place, before I ever fall, the voice in my back of my head and my heart is pricked and I realize, hey, I need to stop before this escalates any further. I need to find an altar. I need to, I need to, I need to spend some time with Him. I've got to get stronger than, than, than I am right now because I'm weak and I see I'm starting to drift. The guardrail, it functions as a warning signal. September the 20th, 2022. September the 21st, 2022 is a day that I'm not going to forget See that picture right there? That was my truck. I had left to go to work. I had just gotten, was pulling up to my office when my wife called me. And she said, hey, she said, Life 360 has just alerted me that Wesley and Abby have been in a wreck. And my world stopped. I just took off, headed home. I took off. I said, where are they? She said, they're on Highway 67. That's where it shows. But, you know, I, I have the app so I can keep up with the monsters where I know where everybody's at and what they're doing. But, you know, when it tells you they're in a wreck and there's no more information, it, a lot of good it did. I wanted details. I wasn't getting details. So I'm driving to see what's going on with my family, and I start getting calls. Everybody's Okay. So I'm thinking it's fender bender, you know. It'll cost me a couple thousand dollars, but, you know, it must have just been a small wreck. And that was the first picture that I got. And that picture still makes me a little nauseated to look at it. But if you notice where that truck came to rest, there's a guardrail right there. They were coming from the opposite direction. They were actually driving... The big truck in the background, that was the way they were going when the tie rod broke on the front end and they lost control of the vehicle and they hit the guardrail on this side. And when my son corrected, the truck span out of control and he hit the guardrail on this side. The truck looks bad, but they walked away with just scratches. Now, what you don't see in this picture is on the other side of that guardrail, there is a deep, deep ditch. 
and had the guardrail not been there to absorb the vehicle and to stop them, then they would have plunged over the side. So, I want to be very clear this morning. God does not like sin, but He loves the sinner. So hear me today. I'm just going to jump out there on this. If you feel like you've wrecked yourself on the guardrail and you've, just, you've fallen, that's not the end of the world. Thank God that something stopped you before you went over the edge and wound up making a, an even worse mess. I miss my truck. I would love to have my truck. Hunting season this past year, I would love to have put that thing in four-wheel drive. I drug deer. I don't know how far I drug deer. I got so sick of dragging deer, I started cutting them up in the woods and packing them out like an Indian. I missed my truck, but I can replace a truck. I can't replace my kids. Sometimes in our walk with God, we have a moment where we hit the guardrail, and we're devastated by it. Get up. I'm not putting a stamp of approval on, on sin, but hear me, right, a righteous man falls. I would rather you crash into a guardrail, get up, dust off, and keep running, than I would see you go over the edge and lost into eternity because you have no, your conscience has been seared and you, there's nothing in place. Does that make sense? Is that okay? That guardrail is going to cause some damage. When you hit the guardrail, there's obviously going to be some damage that is done. But it's not nearly as much damage as would have been done if the guardrail hadn't been there. I'll take the total truck over two funerals any day of the week. The guardrail takes the impact and you have a small crash rather than a big crash. And in living for God, all of us have our moments where we crash. The difference is, is if I've got some structure in place that the damage is minimized. You know, when we're looking at, at life, all of us want to put our best foot forward. All of us want to come to church with our smile, and I don't want to show you my scars. I don't want to open up to you and show you that I have weaknesses. And many times, I'm, I'm hindered by that. But thank God you had enough conscience to get up and come to the house of the Lord and run again. We can all agree on the ultimate danger areas, but without personal guardrails, we have no way of keeping away from those dangers and straying from them. A good dad is going to set guardrails for his children. And our, and our Heavenly Father does the same thing when we're following Him and His prompting. 
we'll have conflict here or there. There'll be little damages, things that are done. But the ultimate goal is that goal is that we end up in heaven. My dad was a wise man. When I was about six years old, maybe younger than that, I got a I got a new bike. And that bike came equipped with training wheels. The training wheels were my guardrails, if you will. My dad had enough foresight to realize this guy may not be as nimble as everybody else. We might ought to give him a guide to keep him rolling. But the day came when I got a little bit bigger, I got a little older, and the training wheels came off, and the new bike showed up for my birthday, and it was a BMX bike, and I loved that bike. Sharp. It would fly. And so me and the neighborhood kids, there was a family that lived beside us. They had a bunch of kids, and we always interacted together and, and hung out together. And we all had our bikes, and that was the thing, man. We would ride our bikes down those gravel roads and up and down the driveway. And, I mean, they were everything from motorcycles to sports cars to horses. It depended on the day, you know. I mean, if you were in the Calvary, it was your horse. If you were, if you were you know, uh, a cop, it was your car. You know, you had, the bike became whatever you needed it to be. But I'll never forget learning how to pop a wheelie. And I thought that was so cool. And my dad had told me, you need to be careful. You know, you hadn't had training wheels off very long. You prob- Evil Knievel, you probably need to, need to rein it in a little bit. But I was having fun. And I'll never forget that particular day that I was cruising down the gravel road in front of our house. Probably wasn't going that fast, but it sure felt like it was. And I remember popping that wheelie, and I was so proud until the front wheel of that bike came off. And I remember thinking, this is going to hurt. Because I was young enough that I didn't have the, the, the presence of mind, you know, to kind of jump off the back. You know, whatever. No. I rode that sucker to the ground. I went from here to here, and I'll never forget watching the frame where the wheel had been, that two, that two pieces of metal where that tire was supposed to be in between them. I'll never forget watching those hit the gravel, and I don't remember much other than I flipped over the handlebars, I ate gravel for a little while, and I, and I had a whole bunch of cuts and scrapes and bruises. It was a total loss to my ego. I was never quite the same I walked a little more humbly after that. You don't, I'm just saying, okay, this may not be popular. You don't see many six-year-olds popping wheelies with training wheels, okay? You don't see many four- or five-year-olds, you know, ramping with training wheels because they're there to serve as a guardrail and a purpose. But many times in life, you and I feel like, you know what, I can take all the restrictions off, I can take all the guards off, and I can handle this. And we get busy in life, and we get busy trying to be successful, and we get busy trying to run this race called life until the wheels fall off, until we wind up in the ditch, and we're wondering what happened. You removed your guardrails. Guardrails are designed 
to keep you out of the danger zone. Men, hear me. You need guardrails in your life. You're not big enough, bad enough, tough enough to handle certain things. And that goes for every man in this room. Samson is the strongest man to ever live. He couldn't handle a woman. Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. He would write, warning against, beware of the strange woman. Yet the Bible says of Solomon that he loved many strange wives. Men, you need guardrails. You need things in place. You need points of accountability. You need other brethren in your life that can ask you the hard questions or you can call when you're having a, a, a moment where you, you, you feel something's not right and you just, hey, I need you to talk with me. I need you to pray with me. Well, that's not very manly. No, that is godly. That is, that is what a godly man does. You have guardrails in place. Ladies, the same for you. You need people that, are, that hold you accountable in your life. You need areas that, that, are, that are safe places for you. Dad, you need to set those guardrails in your home. Your kids don't need to have free reign and free access to social media and the internet and anything they want to see. There's some dangerous stuff out there that if it gets a hook in their spirit, it's going to pull them to a place where they're going to turn around and they're going to be destroyed and they're going to wind up in a ditch because there was no guardrail in place. Go ahead and be unpopular and put the training wheel, so to speak, on their social media. Go ahead and be unpopular and put the guardrails up when it comes to them running with their friends and doing what they want to do. Moms, dads, put the guardrails there. You may not be popular, but you know what? You're not in this for a popularity contest. You're there to be a parent. I'm not there to be your friend. I love you, but I'm not there to be your friend. I'm there to be your parent and your overseer and your instructor and to help you through this thing called life. In Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm, I, these are not on here yet, but I'm going to read 12 verses of Scripture, the first 12 verses of Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, Be ye therefore follow, followers of Christ as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Notice this, Befornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, uh, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which, is not com which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore partaker, be ye not therefore partakers with them. For they were sometimes, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, following what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. 
For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. What Paul is saying here is you need to be careful what you involve yourself with and you interact yourself with. He's speaking to the church at this point. He's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's giving them some warnings, and he's telling them, hey, there's some things out there that you need to be aware of. And you need to be particularly careful when you approach certain situations, how you handle them. And I love the fact, Pastor, that Paul didn't put an age limit on this. He didn't say, I'm writing to the new converts. I'm writing to the, the, the visitor. He said, I'm writing this to the church. So whether this is your first time or whether this is your 500th time to be here and, and you, you've lived for God for 40 years, hear me, you've got to have guardrails. You've got to be careful of certain things. You've got to make sure that how you live and what you're walking and what you're doing on a daily basis that you have your eyes open and you're careful. Paul gives a list of commandments and instructions and they're pretty hard hitting. He names the sin. He, 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 he lists this plethora of things that we need to be careful of that we have to watch out for. And the question is, well, how are we going to navigate this? You're only going to do it by setting up personal guardrails. And Paul begins to tell us how to do that. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. I love... What the, what, the, what the writer says here. He says, that literally means that old English right there that we just read. It means, be careful how you walk. Walking circumspectly literally means it's like walking through a yard of live animals, where live animals are, and you have to watch where you step. Any of you ever had a dog in a fence? A dog running around the, the property? And you have to watch. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to put your foot down and it's going to go. That is not a good feeling. I worked for a company one time and I had a really good friend. His name was James. James was a very conscientious guy. had a beautiful spirit. Good guy. And... I'll never forget, he had a service call to a house one day, and he walked there, and it, 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 was, it was kind of far out. Um, I think they had electricity, but maybe not. I remember him telling me, he said, I walked up to the house. The doors were open. He said, there were like 20 dogs come running out of this house. He said, I walked in. He said, there's parts of the floor missing. I'm having to step over it. He said, it's dark in there. He said, so I'm working on the phone, and he said, I had to go back to my truck about three times. He said, and by this time, I'm in a hurry. He said, he'd come running up in the house. He had the stuff that he needed. He said, I stepped over the hole in the floor. He said, I started toward the wall when he said, I stepped in something and went. Whoosh. 
The killing part of that was, is he said, the whole time I was running in and out of the house and going back and forth, he said there was no lady that was sitting in a recliner that was just looking at him. Never said a word. He said, I, I hit that pile of dog manure. He said, I slid everywhere. And he said, that old lady said, yep, you did it. You finally stepped in it. He said, I was thinking, why in the world would you not tell me that that's there? He said, I guess it was a game to see whether or not the, the, the telephone man was going to find the landmine. And he said, I, got, I lost my nerve and my edge of being careful because I was trying to fix the problem that was before me. And he said, I found, I found the landmine. I've got to be careful how I walk. I've got to be careful and I've got to be vigilant to where my feet are falling and stepping. Because we're not dealing with manure. We're dealing with spirits. And so what I step in, if I'm not careful, can cause me to become unclean. I've got to be careful. When I'm on my job, when I'm about my, my day, when I'm out in the world, I've got to be careful and always vigilant and watching. What Paul was telling them is you, you, you got to make sure that you're constantly aware of your surroundings, where you are, what you're interacting with. It's not unwise, or excuse me, it goes on and says, not as unwise. Let me get my glasses on where I can read here. That word unwise means careless, but as wise or careful. Don't think of it as right or wrong. We always want to label everything as black and white. Is this right or is it wrong? But if we would take the approach, is this a wise move? Is this wise? Me going in this direction, I don't see where it's going to end up, but he sees where it's going to end up. Is this a wise move for me? Have I prayed about this decision? Have I sought counsel in this area? I've got to be wise. There are some things that obviously we know. We look at them and we say, yeah, I can see where the end of where this is going to end. But we live in a, in a day and an age when the lines are blurred on everything. So I've got to be careful and I've got to be wise. And, and, and I've got to think of it, is this a wise move for me? Is this a wise move for my family? Is this going to be a wise move for my marriage? Ephesians 5 and 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That phrase, redeeming the time, literally means being intentional about how you live because you are living in dangerous times and dangerous places. I'm living in dangerous times and I'm in dangerous places. I've got to be careful. Ephesians 5 and 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, 
but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I need to understand what God's will is. Got a question. How do you obey that commandment? How do I understand what God's will is? I put the word in me. I spend time in prayer. I make sure that there are certain things that are established in my life to where there's an open connection between me and him so that he can move, he can speak into my life, he can guide me, he can direct me. I need to be ever sensitive to the voice of God so I can be obedient to his prompting. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, most of us know what's sitting on the other side of our guardrail. I know when I'm driving down the highway and I get to Benton, Bryan area, and the guardrails come up on either. I hate that spot. I despair buys that spot. But I would rather drive through there or have to wait a little while bumper to bumper than trying to pull off and drive on what's on the other side of the guardrail. Now, I know some of you geniuses with your four-wheel drive think, yeah, I just would soon put it in four-wheel and go. But the guardrail's there to protect you. I hate it. I hate driving that stretch of road. I will go out of my way to avoid that spot. And if we're being honest, a lot of times, I don't want the restriction of a spiritual guardrail in my life because it inconveniences my flesh. But I got to have it. I may not feel like getting up and praying and spending time in the Word, but you know what? I've got to have a guardrail in my life. I got to have something in place so that when I'm, when I'm going through life, I don't wind up way over here. We have the tendency, if we're being honest with ourselves, and this may make some of us uncomfortable, but it's, it is the truth. We have the tendency sometimes to live as close to the edge as we can get without going over the side. Our motto many times is, how close can I get to the line without crossing it? In ministry, many, many, many times, and I know pastor and bishop could... could, could Testify to this. Many times the question isn't how can I keep from sinning, it's how close can I get my life without being in danger? How close can I live? You see, you and I weren't designed to handle evil. We were created, we were placed in the garden, man was placed there to know only the good. 
And so what does Satan do? He comes to, to Eve and he says, have you, have you eaten of the fruit of this tree over here? And she says, no, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day we eat of that fruit is the day that we're going to die. And Satan says, has God told you you were going to die? When you eat of that tree, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be like God's. And you're going to know the difference between good and evil. So they eat of the tree. Their eyes are open. Man falls. And a few chapters later, the Lord looks down on mankind and he says, I'm fixing to destroy the earth because their mind is on evil continually. Because they weren't designed to be able to handle you and I were not created for evil. I was created to know the good of God, be in His presence, be in His will. But when man fell, it opened up a knowledge of things that I wasn't created for. And so, when we find ourselves walking with God and we find ourselves born again, I have to realize something. I'm walking with Him, but I'm still... I'm still in this flesh. And the flesh wanted evil continually. So I've got to put some things in my, in my life so that I'm not walking by this. I'm walking by His Spirit. I've got to, I've got to hurry. This is important. Any area in your life where you tend to hand control over to someone or something else is an area that you need a guardrail. We're told to be filled with the Spirit. God wants to be the preeminent influencer in your life. You want to know why it's essential that you be filled with the Holy Ghost? Evidenced by speaking in other tongues? Because God's Spirit comes in. And with the help of His Spirit, He begins to establish some things in your life. Just like a father with his children. That allows you to navigate things. And to navigate life and live above sin. I want to be clear, I'm not saying you live in sin. When I was talking about wrecking and, and messing, but hear me. I'm walking with him. If you fall, get up and keep going. But make sure you put certain safeguards in your life so that the Spirit can do its best work and keep you above sin and not in sin. Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He's talking about overcoming. I need to create an atmosphere that's a wholesome atmosphere about my life. We're talking about guardrails. We're really talking about personal standards in your life. You're going to come across three kinds of standards in your life. Those are going to be the biblical standards. That's where the Word of God says, don't do it. It's a sin. Don't go there. 
You're going to have church standards. That comes from my leadership in my church. That's my pastor. That's my bishop. It's not that I'm giving control to someone. Understand this. In Exodus chapter 19, when the Lord got ready to come down on the mountain and show His glory, He gave Moses specific instructions. He said, you set a perimeter. And if the people cross that perimeter, I'll kill them. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to have a man of God in my life. I can know this from cover to cover. But if I'm not submitted to spiritual authority in my life, I don't, I'm not covered. I'm, I'm going down a dangerous path. I've got to have a man of God that says, this is the way, walk in it. But thirdly, that's my guardrails. That's my spiritual territory that I maintain. I told you the guardrail comes before the danger spot, right? My guardrails need to be in place ahead of what? I know what this says. I know what he says. But I'm going to set my guardrail even before I get there. I'm going to take some precautions in my life and with my family to where I'm not waiting on, well, the church says I can't do this. Well, you know, the Word of God does say for us not to do that. I'm going to look at my children and, and, and in my life, I'm going to have some stuff in place. And I'm going to say, you know what? We're not going here, there, X, Y, Z. You put it down for your life and your family. There's some places we're not going. There's some things I'm not doing. Not because, my pastor says, not because it's mandated by this book. It's a wise move for us. That may be different for my family than for your family. But I've got to have some things in place. And I've got to make sure that at the end of this, I make it to heaven. And I don't want to make it there just by the skin of my teeth, busted, broken, and barely getting there. But I want to enjoy the benefits of a godly life now so that when I get there, I've just lived the earnest of my inheritance down here. I've just lived a life where I can see the blessings and the benefits and the joys of God. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to say what you're doing is wrong. I'm just simply here to tell us, make sure that in, the, in, in this journey that you have some certain areas in place. That's not what pastor says. But it's what I perceive as wise because I've been in the presence of the Lord and I know me. And I know my struggles. And I know where I'm susceptible. And so I'm not going in that direction. I'm not going to walk in this area. I'm going to avoid it. Because it's not advantageous for me. Could we stand this morning? Lord, I love you. And I thank you for your goodness. I'm asking, Lord, that you would touch us and help us today. That you would walk with us.
I pray, Lord, that we would we would be your children and be exactly what you want us to be. Mold us and shape us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. God bless you. you got about a 10-minute break to get you some water and let somebody know you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord. And we'll start our main service.